the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good morning, Arkansas. Treasure, or, no, I'm not the treasurer anymore. I, uh, I was the treasurer, and I, I served for eight years. Uh, Auditor of State Dennis Milligan, uh, uh, guest hosting for the, the legend Dave Ellswick, who, again, is, as uh, Aaron has instructed me, is in Florida somewhere and does not want to be bothered, and we're not going to bother him, I can assure you. But, hey, thank God it's Friday, as Stacy Peterson, my communications director, said. And uh, I, I guess Friday... Uh, would be one of my I mean who would want to be if you had to be a day Friday would probably be the day that you'd want to be not not Monday now Gary Underwood like might like to Saturday. be Monday Saturday you like to be Saturday especially this time of year because yeah, what's going absolutely. on uh boy I tell you we're a football crazy country aren't we I watched uh what was it uh Army Navy last night I think uh they they were playing on a Thursday not for sure who won that because uh you know, I get to bed pretty early. I, I rise and shine early. But hope you've got a cup of coffee. And uh, if you're driving in this morning, we hope you'll. Uh, well, I tell you what, got a. I, I think we've had a great two days. Uh, of, I mean, from Congressman French Hill to Speaker Matthew Shepard. Uh, Mike Huckabee was on yesterday. Had a lot of fun with him. But today we're going to have. Uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Barbara Webb, uh, she'll be uh, helping us to kick the show off, and then I've got some uh, some veterans that'll be on board talking about today and the uh, what veteran am I missing in action uh, prisoner of war, prisoner of war uh, uh, comments, and then also uh, the Gold Star Family uh, Monument. Uh, and, and and for those of you that know me, veterans are just near and dear to my heart. I uh, I just I just absolutely adore uh, 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 all of our veterans, and and certainly would stand ready to do anything that I could for them. Then we're going to have uh, a little bit later on. After all that, we'll have Lance Restrom from the uh, Arkansas Travelers uh, Youth Foundation talking about some of the things that he's done. But first things first. Welcome, Justice Barbara Webb. Good morning. Yeah. Glad to be here. I'm glad to see you smiling at me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, uh, and, and and let me let me get a go ahead and get a couple of disclaimers out there. First of all, Barbara and my wife Tina, we go way way back to McClellan High School. Barbara and Becky were uh, uh, one year ahead of us. They graduated in 1975. We graduated in '76, and. Uh, uh, so and I've known so obviously I've known her uh, and and Becky both. Uh, I think what's Becky a chemical engineer? She yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty smart folks, and they were always you know those. I was the half of the class that made the top half possible. 
So, you know, uh, that's that's an old Shane Broadway. That is uh, a good yeah. Shane Broadway quote. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> but, uh, and then as we move forward, and then when I got politically active, and by the way, Barbara was a uh, former, and she'll, she'll, she'll certainly, uh, she was a former prosecutor in Saline County, but her, her husband, Doyle, uh, again, uh, I mean, he's been everything, uh, former chairman of the, Republican Party of Arkansas, uh, uh, private uh, attorney. Uh, now he's the chief. Would it be called uh, chairman? Chairman of the Public Service Commission, and uh, that's uh, that's certainly very impressive in itself. But uh, so, as two attorneys, uh, I mean, you've been married for many years. Uh, is there any? Uh, uh, I mean. Do y'all ever get to arguing about cases? I mean, just just in general conversation? We really don't do that at home because we spend so much time of our day dealing with law. But, uh, I mean, we'll have discussions about issues of the day or things like that. But right. we, don't, we try not to bring our work home. But, you know, ever so often we might get into it with a case or two. So as a bit of a disclaimer also, and I know uh, uh, Barbara and, and and Tina, uh, you, you know, my, my daughter is a uh, federal attorney. She's a, a senior staff attorney for Levinsky Smith in the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals and was just recently named as a special Supreme Court justice. In fact, she got uh, three cases the other day. Uh, some of y'all done recused. And um, so, uh, but she uh, she enjoys that, of course, one thing my daughter and I have agreed upon uh, to agree to disagree, but when we're together, she doesn't make any politician jokes, and I don't make any lawyer jokes. Now, when we're apart, she's fair game. <laughs> now, Tiffany's a very smart lady, and I'm I'm pleased to have known her all these years. Well, I mean, just look who her dad is. That's yeah. right. Well, yeah. And her mom. Give mom some credit. Well, too. I tell you, her, her mom... Uh, her mom learned an awful lot about law because she spent a lot of hours studying with her. And uh, but no, we're very, very proud of Tiffany and and her accomplishments and uh, what she's done. So uh, I guess uh, get uh, ready to talk about the matter at hand. You're a Supreme Court justice again. I mentioned, and, and well, you'll you'll get to mention all the different areas of experience that you've had, Barbara. But well. I guess I can call you Barbara. You may. Okay. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Judge. Uh, but uh, so you're a Supreme Court justice, which in itself is, uh, I mean, I couldn't, uh, uh, I couldn't get through the the front door of that place. But ultimately, now you want to be the Chief Justice. Correct. And. Uh, and certainly we've got to have leaders in those positions. But So I'm going to ask you the very easy why. Okay. Well, before I answer that question, because, you know, this is what lawyers do. We get off track a little bit, but no, I'm just saying. Um, you mentioned veterans, and I want to mention a couple of veterans in my life. Absolutely. Uh, my dad was a veteran. But two of my uncles both served the country during World War II. One of them wound up uh, in the J- a Japanese prisoner of war, and one of them wound up a German prisoner of war. Um, fortunately, they both came home. That's great. Uh, one was shot down over Germany before D-Day, before D-Day mm-hmm. um, and was trying to save his fellow um, 
person on the plane with him and uh, they landed and of course got taken prisoner but he did have his leg amputated at the, in the hospital in Germany there's a funny story about that but I won't take up our time on I, that I don't know but, how you could have a funny story about someone getting their leg amputated but uh, well yeah. he didn't want a German doctor to cut off his leg so he told the nurse no and then the nurse explained to him that the doctor was actually Russian not German so oh but, wow <laughs> That's so he let the Russian doctor do the medical treatment that he I needed. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I guess that's funny. I suppose. Well, my aunt used to tell us the story, but but no, that it we but that both of them are obviously heroes in my book. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, anybody that because I've said this in some speaking entities before, uh, anybody when when you enter the the, the service, uh, man or woman. You, you basically are signing a blank check, you know. So you could have a great withdrawal, or, or a, but, but all gave some and some gave all. Another interesting point that you may not be aware of, but even on the Capitol grounds, we have the Gold Star Family Monument. And I mentioned this yesterday. Uh, we're, the only, we're the first state in the country to have a Gold Star Family Monument on uh, capital grounds. We weren't the first state to have one, but we're the first state to have it. And I'll tell you, if you ever get the chance, it would be on the uh, west side of the Capitol, and it's quite a tribute. Uh, later on today, I mentioned we'll have uh, Sherry Briley, whose husband was uh, was uh, killed uh, and, and actually prompted the movie Black Hawk Down. So she'll be explaining some today. Right. So uh, I don't think you and I can spend too much time talking and, and praising fine. our veterans, but... Uh, uh, well, I'll answer your question now, now that I... <laughs> why do I want to be th- Chief Justice? Thank you, thank you, Counselor. <laughs> the reason I'm running for Chief Justice is because I feel like I'm being called to share my gifts. I have spent four decades practicing law in the state of Arkansas. I grew up in the state of Arkansas. And I've been in all levels of the court system, um, from private practice to prosecuting attorney, you mentioned, uh, to justice on the Supreme Court now. I believe I offer more experience and more, more, than, more preparation than anyone else uh, to, to be our next state's uh, chief justice. And I, I think I'll continue to be a fair and independent a voice for all our Kansas. Well, we'll get into that subject. Uh, I've got that. Trust me, I've got a long list here of, of questions. So, uh, let me let me uh, jump back just a little bit. When you were elected as the uh, prosecutor in Sling County, uh, you you beat a guy. Well, was it was it uh, uh, the corrupt? Uh, who am I trying to say? I just Dan Harmon. Dan Harmon. Was was that who you beat? No, Dan Harmon did. He remember he resigned. That's right. I wrote a, a letter to the editor, and after they did the FBI raided his offices. Yes, yeah. and these were the prosecutor's offices. Yeah. These were the justice system. That's right. And the FBI raided his office, seized all the drug files because that was the source of their investigation. Yeah. Um, and he and I wrote a letter and said you should resign. 
and he did, much to my surprise, but he did. And then there was a special prosecutor appointed for a short time, and I I filed for that office. And there's a story about that because I was telling my husband, why doesn't someone run against this guy? No one, everybody on the the street talk was all about the investigation. Not that we knew the details, but everybody knew that he had been corrupt, corrupt, basically selling justice uh, in Saline County for in exchange for whatever drugs and money and he was uh, so I was in private practice been made partner in a law firm in Little Rock um, working hard every day and so I was like well why doesn't someone run against him and he goes well what are you doing Barbara so the next thing you know I filed for office and ran well and again those that know me have heard me mention this uh many times uh, for those on the sideline all that's necessary for evil to triumph is for good men and women to set aside and do nothing now you know i'm somewhat associated to dan even though i couldn't mention i forgot his name because i actually ran uh, i was the state chairman of the party i served my time (laughs) that sounds bad like i've got out of prison Uh, but uh the uh, I served my time, and then I went back to my home county of Saline and uh, thought, really, I was going to stay involved, but I didn't think uh, there would be any more potential. And then uh, Doug Kidd, who is the sitting circuit clerk, which is a an intimate, you're exposed to some very intimate files of people in the circuit clerk's office. Right. And lo and behold, who does he hire? Dan Harmon. He, he hires Dan Harmon. And, and, you know, he wasn't on our radar screen. Uh, I'm speaking of Doug Kidd. He'd been unopposed. For uh, Aaron's uh, producing and flying this airplane, I'm just a, kind of a co-pilot and passenger. He makes all kinds of these funny signs uh, at me, directing me, and uh, he does a wonderful job, So especially when he's dealing with uh, amateurs back here. So I've got... Uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Barbara Webb, who's running for the position of Chief uh, Justice of the Court, and we were t- engaging. Then, then I kind of took her off message, but I need to let her get back on. So, Barbara, again, I- I'll lay the question out: Why are you running for Supreme Court uh, Chief? Well, I, th- I think that. Yeah, you're okay. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that's better. Um, you know, I've been on the court now, and and I bring a freshness to the court. Uh, I think I can help lead the court over the next eight years to address some of the issues of our court system. I I really like to go out and listen to people. My mom used to say, "God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason." I need to <laughs> I need to remember that. Yeah. And uh, so I like to listen to people's concerns. And I, so I recently spent some time with the county judges um, and some of other folks about what their concerns in the judicial system are. And even just talking to other just people, litigants in the courtroom. Um, again, I've, <laughs> excuse me. You're okay. Take your time. <laughs> it's just getting a little frog in my if, throat. If you need that Heimlich, we can we can get Gary Underwood. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it has to do with the sinuses this time of year. But yeah. um, anyway, that being said, no. But I, you know, I I started practice 
you know, like you mentioned, uh, I mean, I graduated from college and law school in the 80s, and so I've had a, a lot of different experiences and a lot of different uh, being in, di- whether I was in district, city court, district court, circuit court, I was a circuit court judge appointed by Asa Hutchinson to serve. Two times I feel like I've been called to clean up corruption in the, in the judicial system, and that's a big concern. People don't always trust the judicial system, and I hear that from people. So I believe that I've had that. I mean, as you said, sometimes you answer the call when you get it, and sometimes you can't just stay at home when there's something going wrong. You've got to stand up and fight for what you believe in, and that's what I did when I ran for prosecuting attorney. And I believe that we got the system cleaned up in Saline County. I know I used to pass out bars of soap in my campaign for prosecutors saying, let's clean up the prosecutor's office. Uh, and you know what? I think I'm not for sure. I think I use that same. I learned that from you because when I was running uh, for the Treasurer State's office, it was the same thing with Martha Schaffner, who spent 30 months in the federal penitentiary. So, uh and actually, I think you went and, and but but now that you can actually buy those with your uh, uh, campaign logo in in them. Oh, and so yeah, that was one of my one of my great. No, I was too cheap for that, Dennis. I went out and had hotel had got the little hotel bars and stuff yeah, yeah. donated, and then we literally wrapped labels around them. Everybody well, thought they were candy at Halloween time, no, and and I told right. them not to. They'd ask me if they could eat the bar of candy, and I'd say, "Well, you might." have your mouth washed out with it not having a piece of chocolate no that's true a lot of people thought when i was getting that it was white chocolate (laughs) and so i had to do this the same thing but go ahead i'm sorry but anyway but but that was my way of letting people know that i wasn't going to tolerate the injustice that was going on in saline county i i wasn't in it for those reasons i was in it to make sure that when people came to the courtroom they did have uh, a fair system there that it was unbiased that their case for most people coming to court that's one of the most important days in their life whatever they're if they have to be in court it's because something serious has happened and as you mentioned those files in the circuit court's office contain a lot of that type of information but but when they're there we want to make sure that everyone's focused on the case at hand and making sure that we are that the end result is justice so that's one thing that as chief justice i would focus on is to make sure that our courts are are running on time that we are getting cases tried that we are moving the cases along i mean with covid we have had a lot of delay in the in the justice system so so am i hearing this right in the so it's kind of an administrative position to appoint incorrect is it, it is an administrative position that the people of the state of arkansas elect by con- the constitution provides it's elected by the, all the people in the state of arkansas but it, it is an administrative function the chief justice is you not only administer the the seven justices on the court and their staff but there's an entire agency called the administrative office of the court yes that do a I'm, lot of things. I'm familiar. They run the, you know, they run a lot of the specialty courts. They, yeah. they provide resources, security. They're, the, the, it's how the court provides security out in all the courtrooms across the state. They provide all kinds of resources to the courts. Um, they also are there to assist in uh, issues of access to justice, and they work on. Uh, work daily as I tell told him we just celebrated the birthday of the court yesterday and as I told the 
some of the staff then you know they're they're doing the heavy lifting that's what the administrative office does had they not existed when i became prosecutor i wouldn't know would not have had case files because i had to go to the administrative office to find out what cases were pending in saline county because it was so messed up in the circuit clerk's office and the prosecutor's office so um so i appreciate the hard job they do because i know how what their functions are and how important they are to the court system and i think that's one another thing i bring to the job I was an I was a CEO of the Arkansas Workers Comp System, which is a mini court system for workers comp, and so I was actually the chief executive officer. So I managed a state agency of in excess of a hundred employees. I dealt with budgets. I dealt with uh, relating or dealing with the legislature on budgets, and audit. I had clean audits every year. Um, in, in that agency. That's and important being the auditor of state. I, I knew you would like that. <laughs> but um, but it's hard work. But I think I, I'm the only one in the race that has managed an office. Uh, as we were talking off air, thank God it's Friday. I hope everyone's going to have a, a great day. I, I, I'm, I'm pulling for those uh, hogs to beat Brigham Young University. Good quarterback came out of BYU. Uh, Jim McMahon, he played for the Chicago Bears when they won the Super Bowl in, what, 85? They've had some great players. Yeah, uh, they really they really have. So I think we're seven-point favorites. Hey, and before I forget it, uh, and, and I love getting to guest host the show, but I've got a listener that just doesn't do anything but help my uh, – uh, my ego and my morale, and his name's Aaron Lofton. I, Aaron's uh, lift, uh, listened every time I've had the opportunity to be the guest host, and I want to say thank you, Aaron. I've known him, uh, well, probably before he was technically born, uh, so I've known him for 40-something years, but a fine young man to me as well as his family. So I just wanted to say that, Aaron. I hope you've got a smile on your face right now. Supreme Court Justice Barbara Webb uh, uh, is in the studio. And again, if you've been listening, we're talking about her run for Supreme Court Justice. Uh, Chief. Chief Justice. Uh, yeah, Chief Justice. Let me get that that right. And uh, she was talking about some of the responsibilities. So let me just uh, turn it back over to you and let you have input again about why you think you would make the best uh, chief. Well, one thing that people may not know is that there's never been an elected female chief justice for the state of Arkansas Supreme Court. And I was the first elected prosecuting female prosecuting attorney in Saline County. And back then it was partisan, and I ran as a Republican, and I was the first elected Republican prosecuting attorney for the state of Arkansas. Um, so I've been there where you're breaking the ceilings if you glass ceilings if you will and sometimes that's not as easy as you think you you know and and doing the job you also have to earn people's trust by hard work and i believe that's what i did as prosecuting attorney you you give me a little uh, a little window to kind of go down so you were elected as a republican your husband was the state chairman of the republican party uh, he's always he was one of the first to make history in Saline County, uh, state senator. I guess he was a rep too. But but with that being said, uh, in this day and time, uh, how how do you approach uh, people saying, "Well, 
you know, them Republicans, they just want to take over everything and control everything. What 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 is your approach uh, to that uh, question, I guess? Well, and, you know, being on the Supreme Court, we run on a nonpartisan basis. That's right. So I'm, I'm ethically required not to talk about the political side of the, of the issues anymore. So, I mean, I think we all come to our positions with a certain value system yes and certain beliefs and i think the voters want to know what those values are and what those beliefs are um but we can't and so i what i like to tell people is that um that i believe in the constitution of the state of arkansas and the constitution of the united states i believe that a judge's role is to not legislate that's the role of the legislature that we're there to basically interpret the law, not not to uh, make the law, and and I believe that uh, in it, strongly in separation of powers. I think that's why we have a free country today. Is the, our forefathers had the wisdom not to put control in one person, mm-hmm. and I think that's what distinguishes this country uh, from any other country on earth. And I think it's why we still are free. And I think we got to remember that those separations, those three distinct branches of government, the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judicial branch all have to work independent of each other. Now, sometimes we work for the same purposes, but yes. but we have to work. We have There has to be a check and balance. Well, and I, and I appreciate that, and I know the listeners do, too, because I think you hit the, the nail on the head with the hammer is that uh, you're you're not elected to legislate from the bench. You're you're there to interpret and give an opinion, uh, and and I guess one would argue that's why they call it practicing law. Uh, but uh, but still, uh, uh, that was one of the things when when uh, they knew that I was going to have uh, Rhonda Wood and you on is being able to ask about, I guess. Uh, your conservative uh, at least you know your past it kind of defines your future and uh so and and i appreciate the fact that you can't say what's what we'll let the voters discern uh, which direction they want to go there what else have we got that you think would be beneficial to you being the chief well i think that um we have an opportunity in the next eight years to embrace technology in the court system. We are currently putting a kiosk in all the courtrooms across the state, or courthouses across the state, where anyone can walk up and look up a case file. It takes some pressure off the clerk's office that they can do this electronically now. They can look up a file if they have an interest in it, or they can even pull up a form. A lot of people can't afford lawyers. I mean, the legal system has a price tag to hire a lawyer and to go through court is sometimes too yes, it is. too expensive for some people. I agree. And when it's a basic process that you're doing and there's a form that's been approved by the the by the bar association, the attorneys of Arkansas, when that or by the courts, that form can be used to even do maybe an uncontested divorce or someone uh, might want to use a form. But those forms are on those kiosks, and you can download those forms. So, it's again, it's something that I think we need to pursue making sure people do have access to the court system. Um, and Is that a great cost? I mean, uh, of course, sometimes you have to 
you know, as a conservative, I certainly want to look, and as a businessman, I want to return on investment. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and being able to, and sometimes, as I said, and being a, a former circuit clerk, we did a lot of technological uh, improvements in Saline County. I was very, very proud of uh, to help our ability there. In fact, uh, I was nominated for a national award in jury innovation, trying to make right, it easier that. for uh, uh, for uh, Saline Countyans to be able to participate in the in the the jury process. But uh, well, I think it's a cost, but I don't think it's. I, I think it's. L- cheaper or less expensive for the litigants or for the people if they can i mean now they can file their cases by email and now now that we're getting internet across the state there are still pockets in the state yes. that don't have internet but now that we're getting the internet across the the across the state um then I, I believe that it's actually more efficient and more economical for folks to use the electronic systems um, the other thing i found as a prosecutor was one of the problems was when I had a lack of records and a lack of knowing where the cases were or what had happened and how many how many months I had to get a case to trial and things like that um, because of speedy trial issues, I relied on it. I we just created our own little databases database, and I believe that a man, case management system like that, putting your all that information into a case management system, one keeps the courts accountable and keeps the courts on track and is very transparent. And if nothing else we've learned over the last week or two is Arkansans want their government to be transparent. So, um, And I think that's what a good data ma- 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 product system or case, I'm sorry, case management system allows for the public to know too. And it, expose, it avoids some of the corruption that can occur in the court system. Arkansans did speak up this week with respect. To any comments about that? I mean, uh, uh, as far as the uh, – I think the process worked, though, don't you? Yes, I, I think that it, it, we can all have a – I mean, I think there was a lot of time spent and a lot of anxiety on people's – you know, and a lot of – and I try not – again, I can't get into the politics or the – issues that were there in case they wind up before the Supreme Court. But I do think that everyone had their voice heard, and that's what's important. That's when you get a good result and a fair result. Anytime tax cuts take second uh, fiddle to uh, another subject, then, and and of course, uh, I'm as a businessman, as someone that, that just loves uh, companies being able to locate here at Arkansas to be able to get more money in people's uh, pockets so uh again the foia uh, was quite a uh but power to the people what is it uh ragnet ragnet populace we the people is that uh, uh i think that's the word let the people rule let the people rule okay well uh, who better knows than a supreme court justice we're speaking with uh supreme court justice barbara webb and and uh, uh her uh her uh uh campaign to run for the chief uh, she set me straight on that so it's chief justice uh as the chief justice would you still i guess vote if that's the word yes or? the the chief justice is still one of the seven on the court and actually kind of leads the court in in conferencing and in determining what cases are um 
going to be handled in business. We have business meetings. The Chief Justice is responsible for setting the agenda for the business meetings because we do deal with issues of rule changes and budgets and things like that. But um, it's it's basically, as I mentioned before, managing the court. Uh, and But we still, the Chief Justice participates just like one of the other seven, six, seven justices on the court. And, and that would be the same way in the Supreme Court of the United States, right? Correct. correct. Yeah, there's a chief and then uh, – uh, and. Is the chief at uh, the Supreme Court of the United States, are they a point, how, how do they achieve that? Is it's, it selection amongst themselves? Do you know? It's it's appointed by, I think in the, in the case of U.S. Supreme Court, it's appointed by the President of the United States. To be the chief. And then the chief is, uh, yes. Is, are, are they chief for life? Do you know? I guess. Unless they don't as want. long as they serve, yeah. Um, but uh, I think that there there's some systems in place for how they get replaced and things like that. But well, I, sure, yeah. Uh, but yeah. you know, every state of, of on the, in the United States does it a little differently. Um, some don't elect their justices. Some appoint their justices. Some ju- governors make or and the bar sure. associations make recommendations, and and the persons or the people are selected by appointment of the governor from those recommendations but arkansas has always elected its justices by the people state dennis milligan guest hosting for dave ellswick i think dave's even off isn't that right uh, aaron uh, dave's off even next week correct yeah so uh, uh he uh, will ha- get his batteries charged and be back and be prepared to uh, to go at it and have a good fall we're visiting with uh uh, Justice Barbara Webb from the Arkansas Supreme Court, uh, and you've heard her say uh, her, her, uh, many of the, the, the reasons why she should be the next Chief Justice. Lots of experience, lots of time. But as we uh, get ready to end our time with you, Barbara, uh, what are some of your final thoughts that you'd like the people of Arkansas to know? Well, first of all, <laughs> I want to remind them that the election is in March. Sorry. No, um, that's fine. <laughs> that that's fine. Yeah. The, uh, the the judicial races uh, are, uh, of course, not on the nonpartisan or nonpartisan, so they show up on every ballot. Whether you're going to vote Democrat or whether you're going to vote Republican or whether you're just going to take a nonpartisan ballot, it'll be on all the ballots. Correct. And those judicial races, um, so you'll vote in March for your candidate of your choice, and then. If there's more, if there, one candidate doesn't get more than fifty percent of the vote, if there's more than two candidates in the race, and there is, and there is, or there will be, it had, no one's filed yet, but okay. Um, um, but if that happens, then the runoff is not until November. It's not two weeks like most runoffs. It's it this the way the Amendment eighty set up judicial elections was that the runoff would be with the general election. I got you. So it could be a long process. Um, but I, so I want people to know when we're voting because I think that confuses people. Um, they think, well, the only race in November or in March is the presidential primary, but it's not. So you'll see the Supreme Court race right up there with the presidential races. Okay. Um, and then just as far as my, uh, I, I just would like to say that I believe that I'm the right choice for Chief Justice, and I say that because of my experience. And because I, I have a reputation for integrity, and I believe that 
we need to have integrity in the courts and we need to have experience in the courts. I also think that uh, uh, I've been appointed several times by, well, I was appointed by Mike Huckabee for different positions. Had Mike on yesterday. He's a good friend. Yes. And I was appointed by uh, Asa Hutchinson. And when I ran for Supreme Court in the first instance, I was actually even endorsed by Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She wasn't governor at the time, but she endorsed me. So, um, because sitting elected officials can't endorse judicial candidates under the current rules. I see. That was a rule that one of our liberal courts left with us. So it may be something the court looks at. I want you to talk about something now, and I I, I, I don't any reason why you shouldn't, because it should be public information. But you know, and and I've ran for office a number of times now. It's interesting how you get funded in a campaign. You really can't have much control over, I mean, you can't get on the phone and call and ask people for money, right? That's correct. A judge, a judicial candidate cannot solicit funds for their campaign. They have to have what's called a campaign committee, and that committee raises the funds for that candidate. But the judicial candidate can now know who is giving and is actually legally responsible for whether those donations are or can be accepted or not, they're held. Responsible. And would you be subjected to the same thing that we are? The limits that can be given in that type of thing. Yeah, the limits are uh, the well. They just raise the amount a person can That's give. Right. The, the, to I think it's thirty two hundred now. Thirty three hundred. Thirty three hundred, I believe, per to individual. max out. Right now, typically, uh, uh, someone that that is contributing to a campaign can give in a primary campaign which is considered one election and then they can give in the general in y'all's case how how do how would that work i mean if you if you're elected as the chief then in march then it's a moot point but but so can is that the, are the same rules well and I, since i'm not the one raising the money you're probably should kinda, ask my campaign committee these questions, but uh, but I believe what I what I recall the law is that the that they can you can raise the money. It's considered the primary election, even though it's the yeah. it may be the final election. And if you get into a runoff, I believe you can raise additional funds. It, it's just interesting because it's sort of like, uh, and I guess that is a uh, an ethics type. Uh, uh, thing, but I mean, running a campaign, as we all know, even a local campaign, it's not cheap. And so, you know, whoever your candidate of choice is, and again, let me ha- let me l- let me put this disclaimer out there. Uh, I've known Rhonda Wood for a long time. She's a fine individual. I've known Barbara. Uh, you know, I'm. Uh, there's no song out be- called "Torn Between Two Lovers," and I—it's I, I, kind of a weird uh, uh, association there. But both of these individuals, I, I care for, and either one of them will make—that is a little bit <laughs> too much information. Stacy, my communications director, she has to. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think she's got a thumbs down on that one. But you know, I'm a music aficionado, and. So I, I think there's songs associated with everything, but uh, both. Well, Dennis, fine. I knew you liked me. I didn't know th- that you would. <laughs> yeah. 
kidding. Well, I, I, I love know, your wife, Tina. Yeah, she's a great gal. Uh, she tells me we've been happily married for 46 years, so that's uh, that's great we to know. We just celebrated our 37 years. Wow, so. yeah. Well, again, both of these uh, these are fine, fine women, and uh, uh, I, I just uh, – uh, but I, I think it's a good thing because I like our choices, and I know uh, uh, Arkansans will make the best decision uh, for the courts. The good part is is you get to keep serving – if whoever wins moves on and whoever doesn't still continues to get to serve, am I right? They do. They get to serve out the remainder of their term. In my case, it would be four years. I mean, I'm in a half, getting ready to approach half of my eight-year term. And uh, so it would give me an additional four years on the court before I have to retire, and I, I would appreciate that opportunity. Uh, today is National POW Missing in Action Day. Uh, I mentioned earlier um, how much I love our veterans, how much uh, I, th- I think I try to realize the price that has been paid. But I've got a couple of gentlemen on, uh, Michael Brooks and Wes Holt. Uh, they are, we are the 22 veterans. Is, is that right? Yes, sir. Uh, and so one of the things that we found out is this is uh, actually uh, – is it the suicide? Help me with this. We we specialize in direct veteran suicide intervention. Intervention. We actually intervene in a crisis. Now, is that something that you only do here in Arkansas? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. We were right. founded in 2017, and at that time, the only thing that I'm aware of in the country that was available was suicide prevention efforts. We decided to take it a step further and actually go into the veterans in crisis when they are in crisis, talk them down, and help them get the help they need. And you created this, yes, correct? Yes, I found yeah. it. So where are you based out of? So we are Arkansas-wide. We don't have, like, a headquarters. We're kind of like volunteer firefighters spread around the state. That I way see. we can cover a larger area. Now, maybe a dumb question, but are y'all veterans? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I kind of figured That's, that. But. Uh, one of the things Michael really created was um, this is like an advanced peer-to-peer or a peer support network. One of the things we do um, – I work in crisis intervention in law enforcement, um, and one of the things we talk about is breaking down those barriers, building a rapport with the person that's in crisis. Law enforcement have to walk into a room and be an adversarial position and try to build that rapport with that person and try to break down those barriers and get them to build trust. When we walk into a home or in the woods trying to pull a veteran out of a vehicle, whatever it is, the situation can be different. We have that automatic uh, peer-to-peer of saying, hey, we're just another veteran. We understand what you're going through. Talk to us. And uh, that takes the crisis intervention, uh, and it takes the whole first steps, the hardest steps of building that peer-to-peer base out. So as far as our responders, the people that are going out on calls, Mm -hmm. those are all 100% veterans. Now, do you all have separate jobs? I mean, do you, are you strictly involved in, in this foundation? Or, or? So I myself am retired from combat injury, and so WAT-22 is what I found and used to kind of give myself and the veterans who participate in this a direction and a purpose and a mission again in life. So, Wes, are you a, a, an employee of the foundation, I guess? Yeah, we don't really have any employees. There, it's all volunteer, volunteer, 100%. So do you have an outside job? Um, I do have sources that try to fund the way that I get around the state and do okay. things, but I'm also a 100% service-connected veteran, um, so I'm basically wow. retired myself. All right, so 
uh, and which brings my next question because this is something that's obviously so good. But but how are you funded? How 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 do you get money? So primarily our funds come from the public and so public support is a huge part of our overall finances uh we did during the pandemic get some funding from the department of health that we were very grateful for sure and uh we utilized that to get more body armor and trauma kits for our guys we actually had a billboard campaign around the state to help raise awareness from that but on the day-to-day, primary, all, most of our funds come from the public. So uh, there's, there's no time like the present. How can, uh, and we'll go over this several times, how can, we, how can funding get to y'all? Well, you can reach out to us on Facebook, and we'll actually send you. And there's a few ways. You can, we'll send you an envelope that's got a, it's already self-addressed that you can donate that way by check. You can go online to wearethe22.org. And you can look on there, and there is an, a portal to donate on there online. Uh, and uh, if you run into our responders at an event, you can donate at our booths. And do you think of anything else? Well, you can go to wearethe22.org. There is a, a portal to, to donate on there. Right, I'm um, kind of slow with wearethe22.org. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I steal one of the old phrases. I, I don't like it as much as a lot of people. We have a, a, a wine taste on a beer budget. You know, <laughs> we, we get out and we hustle uh, shows. We sell T-shirts. We, we do everything we can. But at the end of the day, what we are is we are a bunch of volunteers, and we are spread so thin. We have um, – I, I know I'm going to get the number wrong because I didn't look at them before coming here. We have around 87 responders for the state of Arkansas. And our, you know, our metric system, what we would love to see is being uh, about 215, about four responders for every county. So we had two teams, and they could rotate on call, and we would have 100% coverage for the state in a very, very timely fashion. Problem is it takes about $1,000 per responder by the time we train them, put them in body armor, give them the uniform and the trauma kits, and turn them loose. Sure. That's a lot of money. Well, I'm hoping Arkansas and those listeners uh, this morning will will certainly uh, take note of that website uh, and and be able to uh, to write a check. You're obviously a nonprofit, uh, and 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 with the the volunteers you have, with the understanding that many Arkansans are touched uh, by veterans, and in fact, uh, we're uh, we're joined now by Sherry Briley, and uh, Sherry's a uh, a gold star family wife and we will uh, actually have her uh uh we'll actually have her having some comments and uh, i've known sherry for some time but uh is is this something where uh i guess y'all been and helped in situations all over the state yes sir we've 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 helped uh, veterans in pretty much every corner of the state from every walk of life uh, when we get the call, it doesn't matter the time or time of day or if it's a holiday. We will send responders in. It does not matter. We will yes. go. We will go help. Do, do you see this uh, this situation occurring uh, even with older veterans? Actually, primarily, a lot of people don't realize this, and I didn't until recently. The 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 uh, the group with the highest rate of completion in the veteran uh, groups are the Vietnam era veterans. And there's a lot of factors for that, including uh, loss of job from age and, uh, you know, how they were treated. When Michael, they got home. hold on to that thought. We're going to take a break. Uh, you're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. We shall return. Thank you.
We all listening out there. Thank God it's Friday. But I tell you what, I'm I'm so uh, uh, tickled this morning to have in the studio Michael Brooks and Wes Holt, who are, are representing. We are the 22. Uh, uh, I guess we would 22 Veteran Suicide Intervention Team, right? Yes, sir. Now, Michael, we were uh, and Wes Holt too, by the way. Uh, and, and then I'm joined also with Sherry Briley, and we'll get to Sherry here in just a moment. She's a Gold Star family wife, and, again, uh, something that's uh, – all of this is near and dear to my heart. But, Michael, you actually have a personal story that led you to create this foundation. Yes, absolutely. So I had my own struggle with suicide in 2017. At that time, I may not look like it now, but I was a homeless, intravenous methamphetamine addict here on the streets of Arkansas. You wouldn't be able to tell it now, but, um, and I basically got No, you kind of bowed up now. <laughs> yeah, you. But being healthy will do that for you. Uh, um, but I basically uh, gave up. I felt like I was ashamed of myself. I'm a Purple Heart and Valor Decorated Veteran, and all of a sudden I was a homeless veteran junkie statistic, something I swore I'd never be when I was a kid. And so one night in Judsonia, Arkansas, I attempted suicide, but before I did, this, was in, this would have been January. Uh, 17th or February 17th 2017 I attempted suicide in Judsonia in an abandoned house and right before I did I actually called the suicide hotline and I got a great lady from Oregon and we talked for a little bit and she was really nice and tried to be helpful but she had no idea of the resources in Arkansas or anything around sure and so when I hung up I was still sitting there by myself and I still ultimately attempted to kill myself luckily I didn't succeed I just laid there all night and kind of hurt myself a little bit my body through the overdose luckily i didn't die and when i came to the next day i got angry and i was like why has it came to this why am i in this situation surely there's got to be more help out there and so i began looking around and what i thought to myself at that time my personal opinion was i was seeing a lot of walks and talks and fundraisers and push-ups on facebook and stuff but i didn't feel like i was actually seeing anybody doing anything directly to address the issue and i thought that that needed to change And so what I did was I found that we are the 22 with the idea that if there was ever another veteran in crisis begging for somebody to come in and save them, like I was that night, that somebody actually would, and that's what we have now. Now, if you call we are the 22, we will send a two-man team of trained veterans into that veteran in crisis wherever they are. We can ping their cell phone if we have to and find them. We will get someone in there to that veteran, and we will talk them down, and we will walk them ourselves and to help if we have to. You know, what's interesting is you would think by 2017 – with with the I mean that there would be uh, an organization or, or and, and I know there there are some uh, you know one of the things that we all have to remember is talks cheap absolutely and, and actions speak louder than words and so I guess what I'm hearing from you is that you've you've kind of put uh, y'all have put action in place uh, and Sherry Briley your uh, your story is incredible. And I'm not going to tell the story. I'm going to let. But you're a gold star family wife, as you know. Uh, we're so proud to have a gold star family monument on the Capitol grounds. Uh, I think you know we were the first state in the country to have one on the grounds, not the first state. But uh, won't you share a little bit? And 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 you may have to drill down a little bit to even understand uh, your journey. And, and the sacrifices that you and your family and uh, your late husband occurred. 
Yes, uh, actually, this is the 30th anniversary. October will be, October 3rd will be 30 years since uh, Mogadishu, Somalia happened, and it's better known as Black Hawk Down. My husband, Donovan, um, was the co-pilot of the first helicopter that was shot down. It was Super 6-1. and it has been a journey. We've we've done a lot. I, um, you know, with this, I've, I, my daughter was five, and um, now I have three beautiful grandsons, and he's missed a lot. Yes, yes. So, well, uh, and something I want to point out is, uh, uh, it's not just the the veteran. The veterans' families are as much, uh, uh, maybe even more, of serving also. You agree? Absolutely. I do agree with that, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you have to uh, uh, to just know uh, the, the, the separation. The, I mean, uh, I can just see the stress and the strain that uh, our own families. Uh, now, am I correct or incorrect that, your husband was a part of the inspiration for the movie Black Hawk Down. Is that right? Or? Well, their unit. Um, their you unit. know, he was. They were special operators uh, associated with Delta Force and Task Force Ranger, um, all considered uh, USASOC. Oh, he's but, just one of those normal badasses. And, <laughs> and, for, and forgive my French. That's what I like to think. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just a normal American hero. That's just that's just what we do. Yeah. Uh, so, how did I mean after that period of time? Uh, and help me. Are you from Hot Springs? No, I'm from Little Rock, and Donovan was from North Little Rock. Okay. And we All met right. at UALR. Okay, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> so. When that occurred, obviously, again, you were, uh, uh, I mean, we've all aged some since then. So h- how did you react? I mean, what? how did you lead your family in uh, this situation? Obviously, you stayed involved and helped and, and are a part of seeing uh, a number of things come to, to, to occur to help our veterans. But what is your what has been your journey? <clears throat> Well, first and foremost, I, you know, after we were stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, um, the unit was the 160th Night Stalkers. Um, as I said, my daughter was five. We stayed until she finished kindergarten because at first I wanted to pack up and move back home, but I didn't want to disrupt anything for her. Um, we stayed, and she started first grade here in Little Rock, and um, I basically just raised her and it wasn't until she was a senior in high school that I really started getting involved. Um, I did attend several veteran organization um, ceremonies and but it was hard. It was uh, you know you're trying to get yourself together and and also raising a daughter that um, I wanted to finally um, speak out and I wanted people to know who Donovan was. I mean, his family, of course, we all, um, uh, the Briley's were a big family in North Little Rock. There were four brothers, and they were all in the military. Mm-hmm. Um, his father and um, uh, their father, I'm sorry, um, all military. My father was 
in the Air Force, but he was already out by the time I was born, so I didn't have any idea what it was like. Sure. But fortunately, the unit that we were in um, has been a part of our lives for 30 years, and it's there's this I can't say enough about uh, special operations and the the foundations that they have to um, always keep our family uh, close. Close. So I guess what you're saying to sum it up is very simple. Never forget. Right. And, and, and you know, we, we go on with our daily lives and, you know, our, our biggest worry for the day in most cases, and it's because of, is what are we having for lunch? And, and we don't, <clears throat> you know, that's all something you read in the news or, or too bad, I hope uh, they get over it. But uh, it's a, su- a supreme sacrifice uh, that our veterans are are uh, uh, are making. I mentioned earlier, uh, all gave some and some gave all, and I don't know how you could be any more true in that statement. And uh, and again, let me encourage you to go to the uh, treasurer's office in the state capitol and visit that military veterans hall of fame. But you know what? <clears throat> uh, even though, because obviously uh, the majority of veterans are not in the Hall of Fame, but they're in the Hall of Fame in my mind. Uh, again, uh, never having served, uh, I, I, there's no way I can, you know, people say, well, I know how you feel. Well, h- how do they know how I feel? How do they know what you were going on, uh, Michael, in your brain? I mean, it's not it's not cookie cutter. Every, every veteran has a different situation, yes, right? Absolutely. Well, and, <clears throat> you know, something we get into when you, when you talk about those statements of um, all gave some, some gave all. I can tell you that I can, I, I, would, I would speak for Michael on this as well. Um, after the Marine Corps, after a failed law enforcement, when my injuries from my Marine Corps caught up and I went into my suicidal state and luckily come through it as well, what I realized real quickly was, and, and I think everybody in this organization can say this, when we say we do this because we, because we volunteer to do this, we don't have to do this. People say, oh, I've got to go out and help. I have to go out and help. We get to do this. We are allowed to do this. We survived. We lived. We come through this side of it, and we get to do this. Tell me, Wes, what – and, and again, uh, I don't want to create any uh, – and I, I said this to Michael, but what was your uh, personal journey that, uh, that ultimately uh, – uh, <clears throat> That's caused your situation, <laughs> and if you don't have to reiterate, no, it's, uh, it's, took, it's taken a long time to be able to talk some about those, some of those things. Um, and is it good to talk about it? It is. Um, some we, some people don't. I mean. We um, we talk about in the in the mental health um, first aid field, if you want to call it that, the the lessening of those hills and valleys, and that's what that PTS is: is these massive swings in your in your mood and your feelings. And what we're trying to do is lessen those. And so a lot of times. Talking about it is not what helps. It's 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 getting used to that feeling that you're doing and immersing yourself in that so that you can smooth those. You can get those valleys to be longer, and when those hills get there, they're lower because you're getting more used to it. For post 9-11, there are over 600 families that um, she knows every single name and their story. And, um, you know, at Hearts of Our Heroes, it is a nonprofit organization. Sure. And, um um, Gold Star, as far as the, um, for me being on the board, um, survivors assisting survivors, 
and it it is um, uh, uh, just a wonderful feeling to know that you know we with my 30 years that someone who is very fresh mm. I understand. I, yeah. I get the wife and all that. So is there a website they can... There uh, is a website. Um, it is heartsofourheroes.org. And on that website, that's where you can find a, a, link, donation, a, loan, right a donation so, link. So, uh, Michael Brooks, we were talking earlier, and this would, this would actually uh, uh, involve uh, hearts, hearts of Our Heroes. Is that, is that that's it? correct, yes. But when people give money... Yes, you're you're nonprofit, so there's obviously a tax deduction, which is wonderful if that's the motivation and incentive. But most of the time, the people that are giving are giving, and 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 they want to make sure that that dollar is uh, uh, that dollar is being spent wisely. Absolutely, and uh, that's completely understandable after everything that happened with Wounded Warrior. Uh, a few years ago and everything so that when i found a we are the 22 it was actually right around the time the wounded warrior had their uh their incident and i decided that off the bat i didn't want to be like that so we are the 22 is set up as an all-volunteer organization if you volunteer if you donate to us you're not donating to somebody's salary or anything like that you're donating uh, uh, let me which let is me, fine let me stop you yeah at some point as you know you can't ask your pastor to work and, and i've never said well, I want to live the best lifestyle, but I don't want my pastor, you know, what uh, they need to be. But but still... There, there's it, a difference between paying a living and having a bloated salary off the donations of people who are trying to help an organization. No, because if you're, if you're volunteering or working or getting paid, uh, if, 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 if stealing, uh, that's maybe too extreme, but if getting rich is your objective, you're in the wrong. That's Absolutely. Right. That, that, right. that hits it on the head right yeah. there. Yeah. So we do have a um, um, a mileage for our responders that go out, um, which that serves a couple of purposes. At three fifty, at three fifty a gallon, I hope so. <laughs> well, it, it serves a couple of purposes. Number one, it does it does help the responders with a little bit of fuel cost because it's it's not near the cost that needs to be paid, but it also gives us a, a metric to to show traction, show how many we're going on and how far we're traveling and what we're doing, so that we can then kind of justify our existence because when you start talking about funding if you start talking about grants or or sponsors or anything they want to say well what are you doing well michael and i can sit here and say all day long we're going out and helping veterans but we have to wait to to measure that to have a metric on that uh and so we have our after action reports you know i'd love to say that you know we don't have any paperwork but we have all the paperwork we have our mileage reports now what do we do um i can say for myself and and most of the the responders that i know in the organization when i get a check in at the end of the month for 20 30 40 50 dollars for fuel i either go online and i buy merchandise back through what 22 with that money or i deposit in mine and then turn around around and donate it back to the organization well that's wonderful sherry so i guess your organization would be the same way um, I'm, I'm at the accountability factor and and uh i mean we we've got to hope and have some faith uh that your past actions substantiate uh what contributing to your organization uh, will, will help. Uh, are there? I mean, it, now this is probably drilling down too deep. I don't know. I, I don't even know how big your organization is. We. This is. We're going into our second year, and um, uh, we've we've done a lot. And there, uh, thankfully, we have some 
uh, donors and sponsors that are already on board with, uh, you know, uh, it does take a lot to raise money and um, for uh, just having fundraisers to for donations. Um, and thankfully, when there is a family in need, uh, we have the resources to go to, and it would be an in-kind donation, um, uh, not only their time, but some of their services. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of parents that are, uh, you know, lost a, a, a son or a daughter, and they have children of their own. These parents are now, uh, the grandparents are now um, assisting those children that are left behind. So... Sure. So uh, let me get that website again. It's Hearts of Our Heroes at, is it yahoo.com? That's the email address. Okay, that's the email address. Uh huh. And then the dot org, let's see, it's Hearts of Our Heroes dot org is for the, the website address. Is the link. So, and let me get, uh, Michael, I want to get your organization. Uh, so, something we haven't put out there, I think that is very important. If you are or know, if you're listening and you are or know of a veteran in suicidal crisis anywhere in the state of Arkansas right now, you can pick up the phone and dial 1 855 nine three two seven three eight four that's one eight five five nine three two seven three eight four and a veteran will pick the phone up on the other end and you don't have to be the veteran in crisis to call if you're a mom dad concerned neighbor anything and you know of a veteran that's struggling struggling give us a call and allow us a chance to go talk to them you might be able to save a life well that's uh and you know what if it's only one life that's saved that's enough well, it's it's come it's come so far too from you know the time when Michael you know luckily he got a really really good person on the phone but it has come so far past that that building these community resources and building our relationships just uh, two weeks ago um, I'll say the department but Jonesboro Police Department a veteran called in to the suicide hotline and suicidal crisis they in turn called law enforcement that Jonesboro Police Department works so well with us and knows that when they dispatched, they immediately called our hotline, called us, and we sent two responders and met the police there, went in with them, de-escalated, and got that veteran safe. That's great. And so it's it's a dual force there of helping law enforcement, being a tool on their belt to help de-escalate, help them get back to doing their job, and then avoid that criminality of that mental health situation because their hands so often are so tied and um, that, and we they, they know that we can step in and help, and, and then we can also do the transport, and that takes a ton of pressure sure off them as well. I'm joined this morning uh, uh, with Michael Brooks and Wes Holt. They are the we are twenty uh, we are the twenty two veterans. Uh, this is Veterans Suicide Intervention Week. Uh, am I correct about that, Michael? It's Suicide Prevention Month, yes, sir. Good month, and along with Sherry Briley. And actually, Sherry, you have an event. Is it at the Capitol here in a little bit? Am I right about that? Well, today is a uh, uh, POW MIA yes. day. So, yes, yes the, Hearts of Our Heroes will be, uh, Andrea will be uh, leading that uh, ceremony. She, her father, I'm sorry, her grandfather was a POW, and yes. she has some of his, um, it's a beautiful story. She has his uh, um, journal from while he while he was held captive. Now, uh, was that in World War II? Yes. Okay. So, will that be at the Capitol? Yes, today is that at gonna 10. Be, is that going to be at the uh, Gold Star Family Monument? No, or? sir. It will be on the uh, second floor rotunda. The second floor. Well, that's even, uh, that. It, well, it's not in Right by your old office. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and 
again, I'm going to ask uh, uh, the, the same, I guess, question to a point is uh, if they want to donate, they can go hearts of our heroes at hearts of our heroes at dot com right dot org dot org dot org mm-hmm. okay i got you and uh michael uh or wes they can go to your website and and follow the prompts which your website is we are the 22.org we are the 22.org That's and that number is uh changed up over the years the when michael founded this we are the 22 the va's number nationally was 22 veterans every 24 hour period of every day of the year completing suicide yeah They've revised that number a little, I believe, right now. The current one they're saying is 17. But, you know, n- not to take too much time on this, you asked me earlier yeah. about a story, my story. Yeah. I can tell you that when I was in suicidal crisis, I had a very definite, pl- definite plan. And my definite plan was not only to end my life, but to make sure that no one knew about it. So I actually bought a bar. What better way to fund my drinking than to have my own place to do it? I drank every night until blackout. I made sure my truck was fueled up with the keys in it because I knew I'd get in it, and I hoped I'd never come home. And what that would do is that would end the suffering. I couldn't screw up anybody else's life, and then no one would be left behind to feel guilty that they could have done something different. And what we see is um, overdoses are rarely ever counted unless there is just substantial proof that overdoses are rarely ever counted as a suicide, and they account for a lot, so those aren't counted. What we also get into is the fact that there's so much stigma behind it. The family is embarrassed, so they may hide a note. The family needs to make sure the insurance is paid, so they'll hide a note or hide evidence or something. There's a lot. There are tons of suicides, and we we, we would never want to go publicly and say, we think it's X number, but we can tell you that it's a heck of a lot more than 22 a day. A national organization called Stop Veteran Suicide did a study on this, and they actually put them a number around 44 a day. Wow. Sherry, do you find, and you're very well experienced, that your family, Gold Star family, uh, I guess, if you will, members, uh, So, but do they have the same psychological they issues? Do. They sure do. I mean, has it... Uh, uh, and I noticed some tears in your eyes, and uh, uh, so I know it's a very emotional time. And you don't want to get me to crying. My nose will get to running and everything else. But uh, so do you all have a means of even being able to help, uh, quote, the Gold Star family members? Well, we do. Um, you know, we've got uh, some mental um, uh, professional um portion of our board um, is a, like a, a, a psychologist, psych, a, a social worker kind of, and it, it helps with the yeah. uh, mental awareness. Because I mentioned earlier in our conversation, the families are as much serving as our veterans. Uh, and in fact, some cases, maybe it's even, you know, even because every circumstance is custom. It's not just, uh, it's not just, uh, uh, one size fits all, and uh, uh, I, I get that. Aaron, are we getting ready for? Uh, Aaron, can I be the guest host, talk legend? Or yeah, yeah. Some people have been calling me Tucker. Yeah, Tucker Milligan. I don't, I don't. Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm slapping my own self on the back there. But you know, as a politician, I've got, I've got that right. That's kind of the lead way. Hey, I'm I'm getting a chance to visit, and uh, I've had some great guests in this week. But uh, you know, when I have uh, 
when I see tears in the studio, uh, it can't help but to, uh, uh, and it's not like Sherry just won the lottery or something. They're not tears of joy. But I'm joined by Michael Brooks, Wes Holt. They are the We 22 Veterans. Uh, uh, this is Suicide uh, Veterans Suicide Prevention Month. Sherry represents uh, Hearts of Our Heroes, which is, uh, well, I mean, I guess it represents Gold Star Families, which uh, we mentioned earlier, and I know you've got to get out of here in a minute, but the, uh, the Gold Star Families uh, uh, suffer uh, as much as the, the, the veteran, him or herself. That's right. And, you know, the children, the children's lives. And uh, uh, so I, I hope that many of our young, that w- th- this generation, you know, again, these are things, if they even see them on TV, don't, again, grasp the bravery, the sacrifice, the uh, messed up lives that, that Americans have uh, contributed to make this uh, company sa- or this country safe. And, and I think there's a point where we all take it for granted, but uh, I'm glad to have an opportunity this morning to be able to, to talk uh, about that. And tell me a little bit about you're going to an event at the Capitol here at, uh, I think you've got to be there at 10. What, what is that about? Well, today is National POW MIA Day, and we're doing a ceremony to recognize um, those are whoever are missing in action or who were held prisoner of war. Sure. And, and I know you said your founder has a direct story about her grandfather yes, and the journal he kept. Can you imagine getting to read that? Uh, I mean, that, that golly. How, uh, how wonderful of her family to, to keep that. And now she has that. And she was so young when her grandfather was. Sure. That was um, World War Two, right? Right, yeah. and so she didn't really at the time when you're young, you don't think about asking questions or just listening and retaining what all. And and most of the time, that greatest generation didn't talk about uh, when that what they went through when they came home. They carried on and uh, either started businesses, you know, maybe worked for the federal government, government, and kept on with their family and and held all that in. Well, and, and and you'll have to recognize how I'm saying this. I'm wondering, uh, Michael Brooks, West Holt, uh, if I was in the service and uh, and I got shot in the back from running away, wouldn't that count as as drawing fire from the enemy? And, and I mean, shouldn't I be awarded some kind of? of, of uh, I mean, I'm just saying it. Uh, uh, I mean, it. it I, I've always been of the mindset that the folks that do the worst at golf should still get a trophy too, because they worked way harder. <laughs> well, and I say that so so uh, facetiously. I mean, uh, but uh, you know, I, I just can't imagine what you two guys uh, went through, uh, have gone through the mental, and then Sherry. The, the, you know, there's not a you went through more than they did, or they went through more because the psychological. Uh, sacrifices that your family and so many thousands and thousands and thousands of other uh, Americans uh, have suffered. These, you know, my goal, uh, and I'm hoping to get to do it pretty soon, is to get to go, for example, to Normandy. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to see and try to have some vision of of just the, and and you can go to any. I mean, I, I met Herschel Woody Williams. You know, he was mm-hmm. on Iwo Jima. 
and 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 his uh, his, his he was the guy that carried the the flamethrower. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, they were tar- they were pointed out because they wanted. Herschel paid him way 140 pounds. Uh, in fact, that's why being kind. Uh, now, let me get right back to it. Badass. Yeah. Well, you know, um, something when you, when you talk about uh, comparing, right, trauma is so relative. We talk about this in crisis work all the time, that trauma is relative. Um, you can't say that my trauma is worse than yours. Oh, I that's believe just, that. That's just not how that works. And, you, and I'll give you a, a real simple analogy. Someone who works in an office all day dealing with paperwork is just as tired at the end of a 12-hour day as someone who works on a road crew because that relative work and what they're used to. And so we talk about it in the different branches of the service. You know, Michael's Army, I'm a Marine, right? Oh, the Air Force. Everything is relative. They work just as hard. And just to be honest with you, you don't want to put Marines doing the Air Force job because they have to think about what they're doing. (laughs) But trauma is also very, very relative. Um, a lot of times we get into this misconception because uh, because a lot of times the people that are being trauma aren't combat folks, and yeah. we see that a lot. But what you got to understand is that there are 5% of the military that goes out and does the nasty stuff, and it takes that other 95% to get them there, and they have just as much trauma. Well, and y'all get to stay. Sherry, you've got to leave, right? And do you have a, a closing statement? I do. I also, you know, just for, just for people to know that Hearts of Our Heroes – is keeping the promise to our nation's heroes, never forgetting the families left behind. And I, I wanted to go ahead and uh, read a poem that my daughter wrote, if I can do that when we come back. Michael Brooks and Wes Holt, uh, uh, we are the 22 veterans, along with Sherry Briley. And I know Sherry's got an appointment uh, uh, to honor uh, our Gold Star family uh, uh, at, at the state capitol. But You've got a poem you said you wanted to read, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you that time to read that poem. Oh, was this you. written by you? No, this is written by my daughter. Okay. Um, this, she was um, a sophomore. Uh, I'm sorry, a junior in high school, and uh, that's probably about the time that she really kind of just started grasping. And you know, there was a lot of stuff that she and I both went through. So um, anyway, thirty thirtieth anniversary, and this poem still is just. Get your tissues ready. Let's hear it. And my daughter's name is Jordan, and um, she writes, uh, My hero. I have a hero who lives close to my heart. I see the world through his eyes. He gave me his life. He gave me, he gave me life, but now, many years later, we're far apart. This hero you see is not only mine. He gave his life for his country. He fought and he died. He was selfless and true, loyal and brave. This hero is my father, which I am proud to say. On earth I will miss him, but these days soon will end, and one of these days we will surely meet again. Oh, wow. All right, I asked you. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's, uh, wow. Well, I, I hope that, that the listeners out there, Sherry, will, will certainly uh, grasp that. I know that's from your daughter's heart, and... Uh, uh, and one day, uh, I can assure you th- this with my belief in, in, in my Lord and Savior that, that your daughter will, will see uh, yes. and, and, and get to reunite. Uh, so, again, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, uh, I wish I could be there, but I'm going to be continuing on with these gentlemen and, uh, and visiting more about 
uh, what they're trying to achieve here in Arkansas for yes. our veterans. And, uh, again, uh, let me mention this one more time. Your website is Hearts of Our Heroes at dot not Hearts of Our Heroes dot org. Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, I was okay. going to replace that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah. So take a look there again. Let me reiterate, Wes, your website. We are the twenty two dot org. And you know, I, I, I look. If you can't decide, contribute to them both. Please, and, and and look, it doesn't have to be. You don't have to break the bank. Just remember, every little bit, uh, every little bit helps uh, such a worthy organization. Mm-hmm. If you appreciate your freedom today, then I would hope that you will uh, uh, that you'll show your appreciation because uh, these things, uh, you know. Uh, I've been married 46 years. My wife and I figured out pretty early you can't live just off of love. Uh, <laughs> you, you have to, uh, you, you, you got to make it happen. So, uh, uh, Sherry, thank again, you. thank you so much well, for being here. Thank you so much for, for allowing me to share about my story, my husband, and our organization. Absolutely. I appreciate the time. Sherry Briley, ladies and, and gentlemen. So, so Michael, uh, We've, we've chatted and had a pretty good overview, uh, and we're going to have a few more minutes to be able to continue uh, talking about uh, your organization. Let me reiterate that this is uh, suicide, Veteran Suicide Intervention Month, correct? Absolutely. Yes. Suicide Awareness Month so for, the, for the month. That's a federal, that's a, that's a national thing. Yeah. Uh, it, and and with that, uh, as you said earlier, we never know when a circumstance is going to come up. For all I know, you could get a call right now. Suicide doesn't care who you are or what your job is or what you're doing today. If you know if you're having problems with suicide, it doesn't care about any of that. Yeah, and uh, you know we were even talking earlier about. Uh, the fact that the the pain that you uh, uh, that you endure, then the the step of of self medication, and mm-hmm. then it just it, it just spirals from there. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that uh, uh, you know, I'd ask y'all, uh, and you and you said it, that you're still haunted uh, by some of your actions that that you had to take uh, protecting. Uh, your fellow soldiers, your uh, but but still, just the things you've been exposed to. Uh, I've got to believe uh, that our, our, our veterans around the state uh, will appreciate the opportunity uh, to know that you're out there, that that you can help. What would you say, Michael? Uh, and well, I think I'll know the answer to this. Uh, when a veteran calls, again, your response time is very important. It absolutely is. So when someone calls us, we, well, what we try to do is if it's going to be a slightly uh, longer wait than normal, let's say that that individual lives way out in the rural area somewhere where we don't have a lot of responders, yep. our dispatcher will stay on the line with that person until our, our personnel arrives. So if that person is not alone from the time they call until we're there with them. So, Well, that's wonderful. Wes, uh, I know you, both of y'all have, uh, 
What what drew you to this organization or, or to be a part of? And you're in the I'm going to still say you're in the infancy, uh, the infancy of of the organization. What I mean, what motivated you uh, to get involved with something like this? And it was literally for me just seeing an organization that was that was answering a call to action. Um, you know, and Michael hit that on the head earlier as far as finding a purpose. Um, you know, after the Marine Corps, um, I got hurt. I got put out. I was I was a lifer. That's all I wanted to do. Uh, and once I was medically separated, I was pretty lost. So, you know, what's a you know what's a what's a, a Marine with uh, PTS and a drinking problem do? Well, I become a cop. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I still want to live by the gun and go out here and try to save the was world. Was that here in Arkansas? Uh, yeah, I worked up in Northeast Arkansas, and okay. um, you know when they handed me you know a gun and a badge, I said, "Where's my cape?" Because I still got to save the world and. Um, injuries catch up to you and and uh i wound up having to have surgeries and all the things and when i i got out of law enforcement for a long time um and i lost that mission i lost that drive and so all i did see was is like yeah i can still do push-ups for days i can still do all these things but who am i helping with this what am i doing so and and let let's just understand how i say this comparison i've heard because there is no comparison but i've heard professional athletes uh talk about you know uh, their end of their career and getting separated. Uh, I mean, as I said, let me clarify. There is no uh, – the, the heroes, the true heroes wear helmets all right, but it's in a different circumstance. But uh, it's it, it just the, the camaraderie. I mean, I guess that's part of it too. And we all – look, we as human beings all want to need and be needed. Absolutely. When I got out, that was exactly what I was facing. I was infantry and everything. All the I was doing all what I used to consider the cool jobs in the military. And I went from jumping out of choppers and kicking doors and doing all this cool stuff all over the world to sitting in Baltimore, Arkansas. And it was a big adjustment. And that's why I really feel like if you're a veteran out there who's been recently separated, get up, find an organization you believe in, and get involved. Well, well that's, first, that's the key. first of all, Michael, let me say this. You're going to have to throw me out of a perfectly good <laughs> chopper. Uh, the, the jumping, no, that ain't going to happen. You're going to have to toss me. And uh, so uh, uh, I can't even only imagine, uh, uh, you know, the training that's went into that and the, uh, 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 I, I don't know, the commitment. And, uh, yeah, you know, airplanes are or helicopters, as I said, you're not going to catch me jumping out of a perfectly good one. That's that's for certain. So, uh, so uh, something. Um, so when you get into that, when you start talking about these different levels of trauma, when you see um, you see someone from, um, let's say, an abusive relationship, right, and they have trauma from that, um, they start requiring that chaos. And if things are peaceful, they start looking for chaos. There's a there's a ton of this, and I'm not a mental health professional by any means, but. But there's a lot to that. So, you know, actions, behaviors, the trauma responses, it comes from this, this, uh, this life of living chaotic. Military folks, they come from that life of living chaotic. When, you, when you've done all those things and, and you've been exposed to all these massive traumas to your brain and this massive impact of stuff, when it, and you've done this for years, especially if you've done it for multiple deployments, and then when you come home and everything's quiet, yeah. your brain starts requiring that chaos, and you'll start self-sabotaging. You start dealing with the moral injury, um, and there, it's such a so, key so to So tell me, help. Uh, and maybe you know, maybe you don't, but 
even in a, the divorce rate is tremendous. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I believe my platoon had a 70 percent higher or higher rate of divorce or breakup when we went on our second tour. And even in today's services, I mean, our, our ability to is our ability to be able to communicate with our families made it a little easier. Well, I did. I did two. And, I did two. I did two and a half years in the Middle East, and yes, compared to let's say Vietnam, you can absolutely go make a phone call every day if you want to. You can get on an email every day if you want to. That was back in two thousand seven, so I know yeah. it's probably better now. But I'll, I'll you're, throw still, you're still separated from your family. You yeah. are, you know, and like, even if you're, you're uh, the face, uh, what do they call it, FaceTime stuff or mm-hmm. whatever, you still can't physically touch. Uh, uh, but but I've got to believe that uh, that it. Uh, uh, it's it's got to be just a, a little easier, hopefully. We know it, it comes to a point where you got to start kind of looking in the mirror. I can tell you that this is <laughs> this is not my proudest thing to admit on my resume, but um, I've had a lot of epiphanies in my life of saying, you know, let's, it's time to look in the mirror. And when my fourth marriage was coming to an end, I said, you know what? I think the common denominator in all these is this guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was time to start taking a, a look at what that trauma was and, and why I needed that chaos. Do you blame it totally on the trauma? Um, no, I mean, you know, there's always personal choices yeah. and everything else. But, yeah, just from, you know, the childhood, um, my, my kind of mentor in the mental health game, uh, when I was very first doing the mental health training and she was, you know, teaching us about – borderline personality disorder and bipolar and all these these trauma you know these these real serious mental health disorders i said i don't think i'll need all that i'm dealing with veterans she's like what's that got to do with anything i said well these are veterans they've you know passed background check volunteered to serve their country blah 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 she said why'd you join the marine corps i said ah that's different yeah 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 <laughs> and yeah well escaping those acute childhood events i mean so many of your first responders your law enforcement your military your public servants your doctors your nurses your so many of these people come from these traumatic childhoods, and they're looking to save people from something else. They're protectors, they're servers, they're all these things. And so it just so happens that the ones that go into military, law enforcement, those things, well, then what do we do? We, you know, Our frontal lobes aren't formed yet, and we, ex- we expose ourselves to even more of these traumas and then get traumatic brain injuries and, and all the other things. And then what do we turn to? Well, the military and the law enforcement, a big thing as well. When we're nobody's watching, we're going we're gonna to self-medicate with alcohol because that's what's going to make us feel good. And, and it's uh-huh. just a cycle, cycle, cycle. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.